This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and today you're listening to episode 39. Today, we are bringing on a returning guest, Wendy Snyder. She's a positive parenting coach. Make sure you go back and listen to her first episode on this podcast. She was episode 15. We had such great feedback from the episode with Wendy and I had so many more questions to ask Wendy that we decided to have her back on the show. So Wendy runs a business called the Fresh Start Family and she helps empower parents to use practical positive parenting tools to create cooperation, build self-esteem and strengthen relationships. I have learned so much from Wendy already and today in this episode we're going to talk about compassionate discipline. Okay, and Wendy has a really cool five-day positive parenting challenge coming up. It starts June 8th. So make sure you head over to her website, freshstartfamilyonline.com to get signed up for the positive parenting challenge. It gives you five days of very small lessons, very simple lessons that you can take action towards your positive parenting journey today. And, and when you sign up, you get a prep kit as well. So you can kind of get started and get excited for that June 8th launch day. Again, it's June 8th through the 12th. All right, friends. And if you are loving this podcast, we would appreciate it so much if you would consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you are listening. And if, and if you loved this episode specifically, take a screenshot and share it with your friends on social media. Send the link to your group of friends who also might be parents and also might want to hear this goodness that Wendy has to share with us today. All right. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy my conversation with Wendy Snyder. Well, today on the Illuminate podcast, we have our first returning guest, Wendy Snyder. Welcome back to the show, Wendy. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I am so happy to have you back. And I cannot tell you how many people have reached out and said that the episode that we did originally was like they listened to it multiple times and that they totally transformed the way they have uh, approached their parenting style just from listening to that one episode. Wow, that is amazing. I remember when we had that first episode, I had so many wonderful listeners of yours contact me and I was like, wow, Lindsay's community is awesome. Oh, <laughs> I, I really love like that. And yeah, so they really did. They loved it. So that's why we were like, let's do it again. <laughs> okay. Well, we're kind of in a crazy time right now with parenting at home <laughs> with kids 24 seven, right? Oh my gosh. What has happened? What is this actually reality right now? <laughs> I know what, I mean, yeah. remind me how old your kids are again. So I feel like I have it easy because my kids are in 12. 
Uh-huh. And because I've been practicing this work now for almost a decade, one of the, the perks of practicing positive parenting in your home is that it does create kids with crazy strong intrinsic self-motivation, intrinsic self-control and self-regulation muscles. So the it, it's been great. Like as far as the homeschooling goes, it's been nice because they really just manage their own stuff. They're very like self um you know, they just, they're, they're cool with that, but it's just the being together 24 <laughs> seven. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, we live in a small house in Southern California and um, it's just a lot, you know, and, and there's imperfection, there's sibling rivalry and just, you know, conflict that goes on and, you know, just, oh my gosh, it's crazy, but we're doing okay. We're, we're hanging in there. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. You should see the picture my husband just texted me because I had an interview before this and he had a call with his team at work. And so, and it was like the people that work for like under him and he's like, okay, I think I can take this call with the two little guys because our big guys are just out playing. And so, um, he's like texting me a picture, like holding the baby, the, the three-year-olds like (laughs) running around like crazy, just conducting this phone call. And I just, it's so, I mean, it's just what parents have to do right now. Right. To, to make this all work. So, I mean, we have good days and bad, like some days I'm like, we got this, like we could do this forever. And some days I'm like, I can't breathe because I don't have a free minute to myself, you know? I can't even imagine four kiddos and two of them being so little, Lindsay. I mean, it, it is like we can laugh at it. We can say, like, we can do this. We're doing OK. We're healthy. But like the reality is this is gnarly. Like to have two working parents, which mm-hmm. is how it is in our house. Right. I mean, we both have full time jobs. And then to be parenting, especially little kids right mm-hmm. now while juggling all that. I mean, it is it is a massive load on parents. And it is, it's not something to be taken lightly. And it's no wonder everyone's stressed out. Like if you are stressed out listeners right now, it's, it's like expected, like I, just to handle this load, like to handle a conference call with those two little ones, like we, we're putting on a happy face and we're doing it. But at the same time, like this is gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> Especially it's... if you've got the really little ones. Yeah. Because you can't say, Hey, watch a movie. I'll be back in an hour and a half. Like you can't do that. Cause they're, they don't, yeah. they don't do that. You know? Um, well today on yeah. the show, we're going to get into the topic of compassionate discipline. And I am so yes. excited about it because I struggle with this. And I know the friends in my peer group that are, that are moms and dads struggle with this too, because we want to teach our kids to do the right thing. We want to teach our kids, you know, like, here's an example. Um, <laughs> let me just give you, an, we'll start with an example. <laughs> and this, this is not the soap in the mouth example yet that Wendy's okay, going to totally school me on, but this, <laughs> this happened two days ago and we actually, my husband and I, we didn't react in a, in a negative way, but we still don't know what we're supposed to do. <laughs> um, my, our three year, so we have four kids and our three-year-old is kind of, um, shown to be like the most wild of the bunch. And he, I'm sure people that have young kids have experienced this. He makes a mess with everything and he will dump out an entire bottle of shampoo. Well, we just, yeah. oh, I saw that. Uh, okay. You saw that I picture. Saw on Instagram. So yep. he, Glenn, my husband just went to target. I was like, get shampoo, get, um, get body wash. Like we just restocked everything and we go in and it's just, everything is dumped out. And your immediate reaction is like, you're annoyed because it's expensive. Like 
oh, you just yep. dumped out like $20 worth of shampoo and body wash. But he he was actually hilarious because he ran to the playroom and hid under this camouflaged um, sleeping bag. And we said, Russell, where are you? And he says, I'm not here. And then he says, I'm, I'm, I'm camouflaged. And so then we grab him and we carry him in and we show him what he did. And we were like, that's not good. Like we, to- we told him, like, you're wasting money. Like we work really hard to make this money. And now it's all just gone. And um, we told yeah. him, like, that's what we did. We just told him it wasn't okay. And then he immediately says, I want to go outside and ride my training bike. Like he just was like trying to escape. So we really didn't do anything else other than tell him. And he's, you know, he's still pretty young. He's three and a half. It's not like a six year old doing that. Um, but in times like that, I guess I'm kind of like, where do we go? You know, because you don't want to be like, you're going to time out, but you also want to make sure you get your point across. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So beautiful question. Great example. I, I have a really good story to piggyback on your story. But before we say that, before I tell that story, let's go back and just kind of like preface, like, what are we talking about when we say compassionate discipline? So, um, so, you know, the old school kind of paradigm when it comes to, to parenting is that, you know, misbehaving kids equals a bad child. And if you don't get control of that child, <laughs> you're a bad parent. <laughs> so it's just like, it's just, kids are being bad, they're being selfish, they're being naughty, they're tr- they're, they don't care about other people, they're trying to push buttons, they're entitled brats, like that is all kind of the, 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 the mindset that comes around along with like a traditional old school parenting paradigm. The positive parenting paradigm that I teach within Fresh Start Family within our foundations course and our Bonfire membership program ha- is a new paradigm. It's a new kind of way of looking at when kids make, make mistakes and they misbehave they are, they are, they all have needs. I, every single human being, and we probably touched on this in our first episode together, but all human beings have needs. They need to belong. They need to feel valuable. They need to feel powerful is a big one, especially with toddlers, like a three-year-old. Also with children, there's need to experience life. It's called experiential needs. Like touching soap would be an example mm-hmm. of that. What it feels like as it runs through your finger, like children being childish is an example of that one. But kid, people have needs. And then they're also always trying to communicate. So the new belief is that a misbehaving child equals a, a communicating child equals a parent who can problem solve and problem solve, seek to understand and teach effectively with integrity. So really, the new belief is like when your kid makes mistakes and is misbehaving and is bad, it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent or that they're a bad kid. It just means you have a life skill to teach them. Mm. And in that scenario, it would have been self-control <laughs> or self-regulation, you know, right? Or what do you do when you're tempted mm. to like, you know, light a fire when you're a child and you just want to experience the fire, but no, you're not allowed to bright, light fires in the backyard, kid, right? Like that's a big one with my little boy right now. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's like obsessed <laughs> with fire. But anyway, so back to just setting the tone with what compassionate discipline is. So we really want to get behind this idea that every time a child makes a mistake, it's an opportunity to learn. And it's an opportunity for us to teach. So we just want to put on our teaching caps. We always say like, you know, I joke that um, if, you know, right now we are our parents' teachers during quarantine, but normally when they're going to school, if teachers were to do like half the stuff, any of the stuff we do behind closed doors, they'd be what? Fired. Hopefully. <laughs> so I know, right? I would That's want my teacher said. to, yeah, I wouldn't want my kids' teachers to, to like freak right. out. 
Exactly. Right. Or like, you know, do a lot of the stuff we do behind closed doors. So I would say when you need to discipline, be a teacher Mm. when you're like snuggling and doing dance parties, like the adorable dance parties you have with your, your boys earlier today, like be a parent then when Mm -hmm. you're like playing in the ocean and the pool and be a parent. But when you are disciplining, put on your teacher cap Mm. and imagine like your kid's favorite teacher, how would she have handled it? Right. And it just will give you a little bit of a different perspective. So discipline is kind of like, you know, I always like to think of it as like Olympic athletes, like the amount that they practice to be able to go down, let's say like a a downhill alpine ski hill at a hundred and like a hundred miles per hour. They don't just hop on a mountain and do that. They spend years training themselves, practicing, wrecking, getting back up, trying again. Same thing with like a baby when a baby learns to walk. They don't just get it one day. They, they, for weeks, you know, they might trip and fall down and then their parents are there. Get up. Come on. You got this. Try again. Um, you can do this. You're just learning how to walk. It's just a, a life skill, right? Um, so the same thing goes for basically everything that happens with our kids. You know, it's, it's a lot of self-regulation, self-control, expressing, expressing emotions, um, asking for what they want, communicating their upsets in a healthy manner. These are all life skills that we can teach with integrity. We don't have to punish the kids to make them pay price for their past mistakes. Um, and, and the stories we're, we're going to get into are going to get uh, give a little bit more of an example of that. But so there's three steps that I like to teach here at Fresh Start Family. Number one is self-calming. And this makes up a, a family's compassionate discipline toolkit. Number one is self-calming. And this is practiced by parents first and then taught to children. This is like your number one thing you want to go to when there's like triggers that come up in your life, whether you're an adult or a kid. Like, so someone makes you angry. You want something that somebody else has, like all of it, self-calming first, number one go-to. That's like a discipline strategy. That's something we all need to, to practice. And then our kids learn that too. Number two is natural consequences. And this is when we let life do the teaching. Mm. So, you know, for example, of course, we didn't want your little guy to fall down. We don't want, and it's not okay if they're going to get hurt. But mm. if he would have slipped and fell on the soap, that would have been an example of a natural consequence. It's it's actually dangerous to have shampoo all over the your mm. beautiful like bottom of your your shower because it's very slippery. That's like one of the reasons why we don't pour out shampoo. There are many others. Like it's a waste of money. Good <laughs> faith. <laughs> But that's an example of a natural consequence, like stubbing your toe if you didn't, if you keep refusing to wear your your shoes while you scooter, Um, forgetting your school lunch, and then having to like, have your teacher give you a granola bar you don't like, and your friend shares an apple with you. Those are all natural consequences where we don't get in the way of the teaching. And those are the best. Those are the best. If parents don't get in the way. If parents (laughs) don't do this. I told you so. I told you that would happen. Mm. That's what happens when you forget your lunch. Maybe next time you should listen to me. That will negate natural consequences from actually teaching important life lessons. So what do you say, though, when they happen? um, Oh, what did you learn from this mistake? Okay. Okay. Uh, Oh, gosh. You're hungry today? That must have been hard for you. What can you do tomorrow to Mm. to remember your lunch? Okay. I like that. Right? I have to to bite my tongue so much Uh all the time. Uh-huh. It's hard, but now after many, many years, I'm like, oh, look at me all the time. I'm like, look at me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> because they don't need us to point out that we knew mm. that that'll like it just drives kids away and the power kids will rise up and it just doesn't create 
good stuff. So, okay. So then logical consequences is when you need to do the teaching. Okay. So we always say we, we like to include four R's here, related, responsible, um, I'm sorry, related, teach responsibility, respectful, and reasonable. And a lot of times parents get off base is because it's what they end up doing is not related at all. That's like the easiest one. Respectful, of course. I would say a good way to um, challenge yourself if it's respectful is would you do it to your grandma? Would you do it to your pastor? Would you do it to your neighbor? Would you do it to your friend's kid if they were at your house? That's how you know if it's respectful. And, um, and then related is massive because mm-hmm. in order for kids to learn lessons from their mistakes, you have to teach them why it, it lines up. Okay, so with all that said, that's logical consequences, natural consequences, and self-calming. And when parents build all these up and learn extensively about each area, then they're, they just live life at choice. Whereas before, it's like basically the, you know, it's the um, fear, force, bribery, and rewards is usually what we go to if we don't have a full toolkit. Mm-hmm. So those are four things. And now when you build it up, you have much more. You have like a stacked toolkit. So you're like, okay, this is a unique situation. I'm going to choose the little paintbrush this time. I don't have to choose the sledgehammer or the like giant hacksaw every single time my kid misbehaves. Like I can choose other tools that are going to teach effectively even more effectively than my my uh, belief system that the the hammer is the only way. It's kind of a funny way to look at it, but okay. So back to the shampoo thing. So um, so the big thing with little kids is first off, this is so common. So here and and uh, and I'll say what I'm going to say, and then I'll I'll tell the story real quick too. So little kids, this is like a common problem. You have to remember that this is not just unique to like your little boy. So. Every single child at some point is going to pour out shampoo when they're three years old. So this is like same thing as like little kids that are like one and two are going to climb on furniture. Mm -hmm. That's why we take precautions and um, mount furniture to the the walls, right? So this is another reason why we put shampoo Mm -hmm. up high. So little three-year-old hands can't take it, right? So sometimes it's a matter of being like, whoops. We didn't baby proof this time I shouldn't have put and it, we have a out. child. Right. And it's, but you're human. I mean, mm-hmm. and, but, but our, that, um, that old school thinking in our head will be, will say to us when you say that rational thinking of like, I probably just should have put it up. I made a mistake. I left it out. I didn't baby proof well enough yesterday. The old school thinking will be like, yeah, but you're raising an entitled brat because you just let him get away with murder. Mm-hmm. Like that's what the, the negative, like you have to kind of smack that down and be like, no, I'm not raising an entitled brat. He just got into the shampoo, but there's more ways we can teach her, but that's just one thing that I want you to keep in mind. So it's very common and baby proofing or just making sure you're not putting temptations all over the house is, is a good start. And then as far as um, little kids go, they learn incredibly well through play. So they, they're not going to be good if you sit them down and you're like, hey, we need to talk. Look in my eyes. And this is classic what parents do. Mm-hmm. I used to do it all the time. You need to sit still and look in my eyes and listen to me. It's not okay what you did. Okay. If you do it again, then this will happen. So that's where the threats come in and that's like, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't. So little kids play is phenomenal. So an example of a logical consequence for little people is you can use puppets or I've used matchbox cars. Or um, those are like the easiest two examples, but you actually like practice with your little person what they're going to do next time to make a different choice. Mm. 
So you're going to explain to them why the rules exist. Shampoo is expensive. It's organic, all this stuff. Um, like it's slippery and it's dangerous mm-hmm. if you were to fall and slip your head, like all the things you can think of. And then say, before we go anywhere today, we're going to practice the next time you get tempted to pour out shampoo, what you're going to do instead. And you're going to give them some different options and you're going to make it fun. You're going to make like the matchbox car be, you know, the shampoo bottle and the other matchbox car be another guy and you play and you might do it wrong first where he pours it out. And then mom and dad were mad and he ran and hid because he was embarrassed and he actually like plays it out with the car or the puppet. And then you, and then you say, okay, well, we're going to do a redo. Uh, I had one member's little girl call it a rewind. <laughs> so now we're going to do a rewind where we're going to do it differently this time. And I want you to actually practice what it looks like to not pour out the bottle to choose something else. What are you going to choose? What could you do in there if you're bored? You know, what could you, you know, um, and you could even have his older brother practice saying like what he, like if he knew in his heart that what was happening was wrong, if he was in there with him, like you could have his older brother practice Mm -hmm. saying nobody, I think, I don't think this is a good idea. So Mm -hmm. this is, now you're teaching a child from the young age of three to resist um, like temptation, which is a beautiful life skill. And how to stick up for, you know, the older child, if they were in there with them, how to stick up for what's on their heart, their, their moral compass that's telling them, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we shouldn't steal this thing from the store. Maybe we shouldn't, I don't know, pull the dog's tail when mom's not looking. That's like their internal compass. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden you're teaching these really great lessons, but you're doing it in a fun way in a later time after he's ridden his bike. Because you don't need to smear it in his face. Like, he knows he hid. Mm -hmm. It's very obvious that he knows what he did was wrong. Yeah. So it's later in the calm time that you want to come back and be like, hey, before we go to bed tonight or before we go play uh, ride on the block tomorrow that you woke up the next day, before we go ride bikes today, I need you to practice with me Mm. because that was a big deal. Another example of a logical consequence in that situation would have been um, for him to pick up some chores around the house Mm. to make money to pay for the shampoo. Oh, yeah. He's three, dude. but. You know, like anything, he could wipe down the table at yeah. the backyard if that's not one of his normal things, or uh-huh. he could pick up the dog poop, you know, like yeah. <laughs> something where he has to help earn the money would be, so those are just some examples. And then here, here's the story that I wanted to tell you that's so beautiful about this area of, of shampoo. <laughs> uh, and then I'll pass the mic back to you. But so back when Taryn was that age, my little guy, he's nine now, and he's just like my soft-hearted, still still power kid, but he's very soft-hearted. And then my older girl, Stella, is 12. She's my power child. She's like what all my stories are about for the most part. Taryn has, actually, he has equal stories now because I talk a lot about power struggle kids and strong-willed kids. It's like my passion, part of my work, but all of the parenting I teach is for like other kids too, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and so... But back to um, the story of Taryn. So he was about three and I, I went in and, and this had happened a few times. So it was a pattern where I would buy this nice organic like uh, Burt's Bees mm. shampoo. Remember Stella had this like very sensitive bottom. She had to have this special shampoo. And, um, and it happened like two or three times where it got poured out. And it, of course, enraged me. This was back when I was like a big time yeller. I was very reactionary, very in my parenting. I probably just found um, positive parenting at the time. And so they, they had seen a few times of, of me reacting and it happened again. So I come in and somehow Taryn like, like is laughing or something. And I see that the bath is like the bubbles are everywhere and the brand new bottle of Burt's Bees organic stuff has been poured out and I freaked out. 
And I was like, what is wrong with you? Like yelled at the top of my lungs. And he is my kid that always has did this when I was doing this a lot. He would just start crying. Mm -hmm. Like he just was in shock. Whereas Stella would rise up and scream back at me or like meet me with the power struggle she or the um the like craziness she would just meet me there where Karen would just go straight to tears and I was like man I'm the I went back in my room I, I probably shed some tears and I was just like what is wrong with me I'm the worst mom like why it's freaking bubble bath like really did I really just mm-hmm. need to do that he's three walked myself off the ledge a little bit came back in and I was like I sat down next to him and I said buddy I'm so sorry I didn't I just got really upset, you know, and I, but I shouldn't have yelled at you. This was when I was learning to take responsibility and humbling my heart. I was just learning this. It was like a new, new thing for me. And he turned to me and he said to me in his three-year-old little voice, he said, mama, it's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. And in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, he learned that from me. Yeah. I've, I've been teaching them that. And that was, something I was so proud of at the time. And and I continue to be inspired by all the parents who adopt this very, you know, this whatever way of life where it's like, it's just a mistake. We don't need to get so upset. Like it's just it. Yes. We're also going to be triggered. We're going to get angry. We're going to mess up. We're going to, but it's just a mistake. Mistakes do not make people bad. They don't make them bad kids. They don't make us bad adults or, or parents. It just, it's just a mistake. What do we, what did you learn from it? And he gave me that gift as, as a three-year-old little boy that was really, really powerful at that stage in my life. It feels really good to just be able to apologize when you mm-hmm. fly off the handles or do something that in the moment you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have yelled like that. Like that, that served no purpose. And I've, I've seen my kids react in a really positive way when I've apologized and it feels good because you, you just explain to them, mommy shouldn't have done that. I'm human. I really wish I wouldn't have yelled at you like that. And, and as my kids get older too, you can see them really like accepting it. You know, um, I think that when my younger kid, you know, I, well, I, I don't really have, I don't really have to apologize to the, to the one and a half year old yet. I'm not screaming at him, but (laughs) you know, but like as they get older, they just receive it even more in a more deep way. I feel. Um, and one thing you mentioned, one of the phrases that I've caught myself saying and, and I've caught my husband saying, and, and it's like, it's almost embarrassing that you've said it because it sounds so angry and so mean the, what is wrong with you? Um, I know. It's, I know. Uh, that's, me too. I've oh, said it, it like, plenty. <laughs> oh, it like makes me cringe. And I think when I hear my husband say it, I think of times I've said it, which I have tried so hard to just totally remove that from our family's vocabulary at all. Because I, I say this to my husband too, and he actually will look at me and say, yeah, that makes sense. I'll say, how would it feel if someone said that to you? What is wrong with you? Yeah. Oh, that just like that, that sounds so hurtful, but man, I've been there and, um, it, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to kind of reconcile. It is. It's out of all the things I've done, (laughs) I'm very like transparent and vulnerable with my community, all my students, all my members. I'm like, I, I almost get excited when I make a mistake these days because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to tell the community about how I cleaned this one up. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I've done a lot that I, you know, I'm like, gosh, I wish, I just wish it wouldn't have gone down like Mm -hmm. that. I wish I didn't have that memory in my parenting bank 
a lot of a lot around when Stella was three and four and five years three no three and four three and four years old um but recently it was just recently probably like two years ago um gosh maybe even shorter than that so this is guys just remember no matter how long you've been practicing this stuff you still I think because I grew up with a phrase my mom would say shame on you shame Mm. on you and I don't know if you've ever done any Brene Brown's books or listened to Mm -hmm. any of her work but she has proven that that shame is detrimental yes (laughs) it does it does no good it's not growing any humans it's not so I know that that you know it's just like a thing that I grew up with was like, gosh, what's, it's a version of what's wrong with you. But about a, probably a year and a half ago, I turned to Stella and I, she, we were like dumb. We were like getting boba and she like was arguing with her brother and I just probably didn't have enough sleep. And I just was not in a great place. I was stressed out with like a launch for my business or something. And I turned to her and I was like, can you just stop being you? Mm. And it like, it like messed with me days after I was like, what the is wrong with me dude like why would I say that like because here's the thing we have to remember um because you know everything we're talking about in this episode and even when you talk about apologizing to your kids it's so important that we do not take a shameful approach to this because um when you say to your kids like oh my gosh I'm so sorry like I shouldn't have done that you then follow it up with but hey here's what I'm learning here's what I learned from that this seems to be a trigger for me and I'm working with somebody or I'm going through a program or um, I love what I'm learning. So I had, you know, my friend Wendy back on the show and here's what she taught me. And this is what I'm going to try tomorrow. Like that's where you always want to go with it because, you know, feeling bad about ourselves, it actually doesn't motivate us to change at all. And it's so important that we change because one of, one of the, like the key things that Dr. Rudolf Dreikers teaches us, he's kind of the grandfather of positive parenting psychology is the, the, Um, The need to belong is a massive need of all human beings, but especially children. And when that need gets eroded or that bucket is is low, kids will misbehave more. So this is the classic what you see happens to teenagers as they get older. Mm -hmm. If they don't feel like they belong in a family unit, they will start to to stray and stray. And this is where like the the relationship, if the relationship starts to get torn, the more it gets torn, then the more they stray because they just feel like they belong less. And when we say to our kids, like, what's wrong with you? Mm. It's like, you, it's basically saying like, you're an alien. Mm. You don't belong in this family. You're always pushing back. You're a problem. Right. And I've actually had Stella come back to me later and say like, you know, mom, I, I know I'm just always been this problem kid. Mm. And so we've had to like really work on that. And I, and I had to tell her, you know, that that's, that's my voice that told you that that is not true. That's not truth. So let's clean this up. Let's put a new imprint on your brain. That was just mama having triggers and, you know, it's just, just protection behaviors, babe. I, I do life coaching too. So I always bring that in to the mix. My, my kids are probably like, mom, stop life coaching me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it's, it's fascinating, right? It's all, it's all interesting stuff. Yeah. And as the older my kids get too, I mean, my oldest is seven, almost eight, but I'm like, every word I say, it's, it's a sponge, you know, he's, he's remember, he yeah. will remember every word I say. Um, I'm curious about this question and that this got brought up in my, this, this came to my mind when you were talking about teachers and when yeah. we're disciplining to put our teacher hat on, 
And yeah. I think that's so brilliant. And I and I admire my kids' teacher so much. Um, my my son's first grade teacher is just an incredible teacher, and she's so soft and gentle. And I'm like, that's how she does well teaching first grade, right? Right. And I'm curious your thoughts on this. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or not. When he's acting out, not wanting to do his schoolwork, I oftentimes say, "Would you act like that in front of Mrs. Gundaker?" And I'm curious, is that the right route? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fair question. Yeah. Um, I think it just reminds him, um, you know, let, I know, and, and I would just follow it up with like, hey, I know this is hard right now. Like this is, it's hard for me too. You're not alone here. It's hard for all of us. You've got your three siblings are in the same room, your little brother's jumping on the couch and dad's on a conference call and it's, Like, I'm not used to being your homeschool teacher. So like, I get it. This is hard. And I have a feeling this isn't how you would work, Mm. you know, talk to Mrs. Gundaker or whatever her name is. So like, how about I pretend to be more like Mrs. Gundaker and you pretend to be more like a kiddo still in her class, Mm -hmm. or you just ask for what you want. You say, Hey, I have a feeling if you were with Mrs. G, let's call her, that you would probably raise your hand or you would probably you know, say please and thank you. Is that accurate? Is that because I, I know that you were such a great like listener in her class. And um, so maybe combining it with asking for what you want. Okay. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Cause I've always just been curious about that. Cause I find myself saying that and I'm thinking, you know, they say like kids get home from school and kind of act out because they're like, Oh, I'm home in my safe place. I don't have to like tidy up and like button up and, and behave. I can kind of get wild now. So I'm like, it's such a weird time, you know, like I did find myself doing that even before this whole situation though, because I find that with my, my oldest son, he's really my only real school age kid right now is that he is, um, he's kind of like a brown noser, you know, like he is just, he's a good student and his teachers have always adored him. And so I'm like, can you act like that at home? <laughs> but I right. know it's this like That's messy thing, you know. It's so standard, but I always remind parents, you'd much rather have it this way than the reverse. Sure, sure. Because like every once in a while, I'll get the reverse. Not really. I really, I really can't even think of one, which tells you that I don't, but I know they exist yeah. where the child is like totally great at home and then at school they're a nightmare. It actually like, it probably happens never, but that you'd rather have it the way we sure. have it right and it also is a beautiful signal that it is all relationship based sure and teachers are very good at detaching we're not mm-hmm. so we engage which then locks us into power struggles and kind of feeds into this like um feeding filling their needs in inappropriate ways so so yeah it all makes sense right why it happens it's more it's to me it's more than just they're comfortable they have unconditional love at home yes but we have found ways to fill their needs to have attention in inappropriate ways, like, or to feel powerful in inappropriate ways by meeting them in the power struggle, which is a whole nother episode. But <laughs> yeah, on the theme of compassionate discipline, though, because I think one of the most fascinating things about this topic is parents, including myself, we get nervous and scared of what other people are going to think, including our parents, like our own parents, the older generation, um, because they might think the way we're doing this is that we're a pushover, 
that we right. are, oh, they just let those kids run wild. Like he did that and they didn't, you know, do this to, to make sure he knew that it wasn't okay. And so I, I'm just, I'm so on board with it. And I, and I think talking about the strategies and, and how it works long term is so important. Yeah. yeah. So, so do you want to go through some specific scenarios? Yeah, that'd be good. Okay. And yes, that whole people judging you and your parents doing things a different way is so hard. It's so hard. I actually have a podcast episode on my own podcast about um, it's called embracing a compassionate discipline mindset. And I talk about that being one of the, the things that you have to just stay rooted in what your, you know, your goals are as a parent. And, and there's a lot of other people that have different goals, but you have your own goals, you have your own um, you know, and you just have to remember that you are respecting your parents when you do that by, you know, all of our parents wanted to raise children that could stand on their own two feet, that could have their own voice, that didn't just cave and do things because other people were doing it. Like, so by choosing your own way, just like when you move out when you're 18, right, or you go to college or you like your parents cut you off and they're like, okay, you graduated from college. It's time for you to like pay your own car insurance now. <laughs> like it's part of raising responsible adults is to have adults to have their own voice and their own two feet right so it's it you are honoring your parents it just feels like you know because you know they maybe not don't see it the same way they just they just didn't have the same tools right so it's hard it's hard it's so hard. I know. I know. I picture myself being in like even party settings or well, not right now, but in real right. normal life where something might happen and you might decide I'm going to, you know, have a quiet conversation with my child. And then we're going to really like get into it later, like to discuss, you know, the replay yeah. thing that you talk about the how would you do this next time thing? But you just you just have to get over that thought that like someone might think you didn't take enough action, someone that was watching and that group setting. Do you know what I mean? You do. And and the, the way to get over it is to actually work on just believing in yourself. Yeah. So you have to, you have to double down on your own truth about, and that's why it's so important to be in community. So like the community I host, it's called the bonfire. It's a monthly membership program for parents, but all week long, there's success stories of like, Hey, um, oh my gosh, I did this and it worked. Here's what happened. Here's what the child said the next day. Like, here's how they had self-control in the playground or like all those. We have 189 pages now success stories. So when you are surrounded with people who are applying this work and getting massive results, then it just it like builds you up and you're like, okay, yes, I believe in this because you have to believe in it before anybody else can. And you just have to, you have to be okay with being ahead of the curve, right? So like you lead the way and others will follow. And so as they watch you, right, develop, like use this in your home with your four boys, when your boys go to graduate from high school, they will have a softened viewpoint of it because you watch, they watched you. But a lot of people never have the courage to do it when other people are opposing it. And then those people will never, they'll never get on board, you know, so it's, it isn't, it's a fascinating subject, but it, it just really starts with you believing in it yourself. Cause if you're doubting it, then, then it's going to bother you even more when other people doubt it. Cause it's just going to tap into your fears of, am I just a crazy person mm. for applying this? Like you have to get really rooted in like, I'm not a crazy person. I am, I'm dedicated to raising my human soul with dignity and respect and compassion and firm kindness. 
that should be like your motto. <laughs> yeah. So what about when the significant other in the situation is not fully on board? Yes, it's such a good question. We have a podcast episode for that too at the First Time Family Show. It's a good um, one too. I've I, listened to it. Yeah, it is. When my spouse isn't on board yet. So we always pull up the word yet because mm-hmm. again, it, it's like, it's kind of the same with grandparents. Um, and I actually, in the Bonfire Membership Program, I have a full um, lesson just for grandparents. Like just for grandparents who are like, this is crazy. My kids are nuts. And, and to be honest with you, a lot of them that are so resistant to it, they won't even touch it. They won't even watch sure. it, which tells you a lot, right? Yeah. Like they won't even push play on a 30 minute lesson because I think they think they're going to be told they're wrong, but it's actually not about that. It's just about like thanking them for the, like how one, like they did an incredible job of raising us. And now um, we are tasked with raising our own souls. And this is why we're so passionate about it. And so it's that lesson is filled with like, just so much like my, my goal was just to connect with that generation and let them know how valued they are and how amazing they are. And um, it's important for us to, to have the freedom and the respect to be able to, to raise these kiddos with, with the type of discipline. Anyways, so back to the spouses, um, but it's along the same lines of you, you really do, you have to find courage and bravery to step forward in the learning and the application, even when you're scared of judgment, because mm-hmm. courage and bravery will not exist without the feeling of being scared. So it's like, I love how you teed up this question with like you said right in the beginning, I think a lot of times we are scared of the judgment. You know, so it's like, it's just a feeling of being scared. It'll pass. All emotions will pass. So like, especially if you have the courage to apply it and get over it. Um, like you, you know, I have, have had a bonfire member who she was at Trader Joe's and her little boy was having a meltdown and he had spilled something or I don't know, misbehaved in some way. And she was like really doing a great job of not blowing her lid, you know, mm-hmm. and an old older man came up to her and he said, you know, what is wrong with you? This generation, you're raising entitled brats. You just need to take him around in the alley and smack him. And if you don't do that, you're basically raising like a future criminal. And it just rocked her. And, and she went back to the car and she's crying and she's text, you know, she's posting in our group. But um, you just have to remember that it's not truth. It's just, you know, and, and as she got through that, she got through that. Um, she put the kids to bed. She had a break and then the feeling was gone. Mm-hmm. Like, so it'll spike when you feel like the eye is on you and you feel like you're in the fishbowl and then you get over it. You handle it the way you want to handle it. If you have the courage and bravery to do so and not cave to somebody else. And then in the end, you're like, whoa, that I feel how courageous I was. And look at the result I got because I stayed the course. But if you quit halfway, you won't be able to achieve that. So with spouses, we have this happen over and over again in the membership group where the, the moms will lead the way mm-hmm. and they won't guilt their husband. They don't, they don't say, look at this, they're doing it wrong. And I actually am always coaching them on when the husband has a bad moment or freaks out or reverts to spanking or yells or shames or whatever, just to give them some space and then just, just go ask him, like, do you need a hug? Can I, can I just, can I just be with you right now? I know that was really hard on you. And then later say, Hey, let me share with you what I learned in my lesson this month in my membership community or what I learned on this podcast, the illuminate podcast that I wanted to share with you. Like it's a, it's a really cool concept that I'm going to try tomorrow. So you always are just leading the way by like learning first, having the courage to apply, encouraging your husband. You keep inviting them. You have to keep inviting. That's the thing. Mother's day birthdays and Christmases, when they ask you what you want, 
if this is on your list, say, I just want you to do this mm. course with me, or I just want you to listen to this podcast. I want that more than any pair of jeans. <laughs> um, I know jeans are fun, but really <laughs> like we all want peace and joy in our family unit, mm. you know, and, and to have a spouse that is just on board is amazing. But we've had, um, just just last week, um, a mama named Melody posted in our group that her husband started watching the foundations course with her, and it's been a year. So she joined the program, wow. and uh, one year later, and she but she's stayed the course. She's invited. She kept saying, "Hey, babe, I'm gonna push play on this. Like, do you want to join me tonight?" And for a long time, he was like, "No, I don't want anything to do with that stuff." Um, so, anyways, lead the way, and you know they often will follow. So that's why I always say the spouse isn't on board yet like the power of yet growth mindset. Yeah, I I love that. And, you know, I I'm taking I've taken baby steps ever since. I guess it's probably been when did I first it's been almost probably about a year since I first discovered you on a podcast and then that's when a time when I was just seeking like a different way, like seeking a calmer way to do this. And my husband has definitely made some some changes. Like we have both made some pretty big changes. Um I think that at this point, he's probably more likely, he just walked into the closet as I'm saying this. <laughs> I think he, he's more likely to fly off the handles than I am at this point. But um, the other day, uh, Russell, the the crazy three-year-old, he we just yeah. ha- had a room in our basement refinish, and it's, it's a waterproof floor, so it's not a big deal. But as soon as they were able to go down there, what did he do? He peed all over the floor. And my husband texted me this picture of the pee on the floor. And he says, this is why I can't get on board with all this stuff because these boys are animals, you know, like they're crazy. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's just interesting to see like when situations like that happen, how we kind of revert because we feel like, is this work even working? You know? Right. Yep. I don't know where I was going oh with that, but it was just. Oh, well, I'll chime in real quick. Yeah, please yeah. do. Yes, 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 yes. So I have a crazy story of like, um, I was probably teaching this work because I taught in-person classes for like two or three years before I became an online educator. But um, oh my gosh, I had a moment like that. I had many moments like that because walking into the parenting teaching space is hilarious. You're like, who am I (laughs) to teach this? Because there is no perfection in kids. Like I remember like, there's just not. Like I can tell you stories of like hearing super scary stories that like really make my my heart just sink and my stomach turn of like parents who are like saying like oh my kids are perfect I have six kids and we just like we just use the switch on them every night or like Mm. we just like basically um like make like force them into submission so (laughs) that even that I know that it's not perfection because as soon as those kids are of age it is danger ground, I'm telling you. So anyways, but every family, there's there's not going to be perfection. But as you become a positive parenting educator, it becomes even worse, right? Like the eyeballs oh, sure, are on you. Sure. Like, oh, gosh. What if, if my kid messes up? My, you know, people are going to think I'm crazy. And so there was this, um, a lot of times that it happened where I was just like, what am I even doing? I'm like investing my life savings to start this company to help parents. And like, my kids are crazy, right? But my teacher, thank God, she is a um, mother of four boys, just like you, Susie Walton. And now, now they're all grown full, you know, amazing men with like wives. And she's a grandmother of like 12 now. Mm. Her son's actually the coach of the Lakers. Cool fact. But she would always tell me like these stories of massive imperfection. And I was like, oh, my God, thank God you can still be a parenting teacher and not have 
perfect kids because it's really it's not about the perfection it's just about better listening better cooperation more peace joy connection in the home and not freaking relying on fear and force every single day to influence your children to listen and act well right but back to the story so um i was teaching in in person a few um a few years by then and i had joined my girlfriends for like a happy hour one night with the kids and they were all playing and at the time like stella was my crazy one like she was my wild like she was probably six at the time and like all my stories my verbiage was like why are my kids so crazy right the crazy kid Mm. um and little my little guy Taryn he um was four at the time and he pushed my girlfriend's son who was like I said three and a half or four at the time they were the same age pushed him off of a play structure and he broke his wrist oh nightmare (laughs) like this isn't pee on the ground yeah a broken wrist uh-huh. and I was like, oh my gosh I was literally like dropped to the ground and was just in tears I was oh. like this weird mess of a friend that and I was like sitting with the little boy I put Taryn in the stroller I strapped him in I like yelled at him I put him in the corner by the bush and I just sat with her friends my friend's little boy and I was just like mm. crying just thinking like oh my god everyone's judging me everyone mm-hmm. thinks I'm crazy everyone thinks I have these crazy kids like what the heck so long story short I sent him to grandma's house for three days to do self-calming myself because I just couldn't even look at him. And he's like the sweetest boy ever. Mm. Finally, he comes home and I'm like, thank you, grandma. Like, my God, Terry's mom is an angel. And I was finally able to talk to him. We seek to understand, like we tried to figure out what was going on. What we found out was that he wasn't mad. This wasn't a force of aggression. This was simply an accident. He had gotten so excited. And you know, kids play tag on like the ground. Well, they just happened to be playing tag on top of this play structure, and he made a mistake and pushed his little buddy out of, like, excitement, and his little buddy fell. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the extent of it. It was just a mistake. But at the time, I remember thinking, this is dumb. Is this even going to work? Like, maybe I do need to, like, revert back to, like, what my parents did and, and hit him. Maybe he'll learn his lesson if he gets hurt. You know, maybe – um I mean, that was, like, probably the big question in my head, but I was just more so was ruminating over and over again, like – I'm raising crazy kids because I'm, I'm doing this whole compassionate, kind, grace-filled approach. And what is wrong with me? This is embarrassing. What if my kids grow up to be crazy? So fast forward, we do all these like compassionate discipline things. We bought the family um, Padres tickets to go to a show mm. or a baseball game because it was Cash's favorite thing. We mailed Cash like letter Taryn did. He created makeups, they're called, which is like a way to repair a relationship or make amends another form of compassionate discipline. So he did letters upon letters for like two or three weeks, put them in the mail, send them over. We paid for their medical bills. Um, you know, we, we recorded videos that were like apologies. Um, so, there, so, and then like moving forward, the point of the story is he never has touched another child in his life. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like pushing aggressively to hurt somebody. And that wasn't even his mission, but I mean, he's never made that mistake again. And it didn't take me hurting him or making him feel like he was just a, an awful child or punishing, you know, like it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't need me to do that, but it, it sure tested me. And mm-hmm. now I look back on it and say, thank God I applied the work. I did it. I did the self-calming. We did the logical consequences and yes, it was horrible, but we're still friends to this day. She's still one of my best friends and we're okay. You know, it was just a mistake. It was a really unfortunate mistake. Um, so that's just kind of a a crazy example of a question, but yes, you will at times think to yourself, 
is this working? And am I a crazy person for like not being not all like pulling out the hammer every single time on my child? You just made me think of the other day, um, my son, the three-year-old, was always, it's always for us. No, it's not. He's just yes. happens to be the one that's three right now. And he is, he's pretty crazy. But yeah. um, he threw a big rock and it got so close to hitting my, my best friends, one of my best friends, um, her kid's head. And her son is oh, six yeah. and he was riding his bike like a, and my son was like standing on this ledge over it and he, he was throwing the rock to, he said he was throwing the rock to hit the, um, the bike. And, you know, then we say like, yeah, we don't throw rocks at anything but the ground. Like, you know, um, right. And now I'm thinking, I didn't make a big deal about it at all. And I just told him like, you know, we can't do this, but now I'm like, Ooh, what if that would have hit his head, you know, and he got a concussion or something like that. It's scary. Um, but I now oh, I'm yeah, this is a- replaying like you you go back and you replay right you go back and you say what would be a better decision right well this is a good example of you can be firm parents yeah like you can be firm like th- those days when Karen came home after that we were firm we were like this is a big mistake mm. like you don't it's not okay to lay hands on on somebody unless you are playing tackle football which you are not my love at <laughs> yeah. three years old like. You've, we've got to teach you to be able to keep yourself even when you're excited. Mm-hmm. Like it's so in addition to the makeup that we did for, for that family, for that little boy, we also did a ton of role plays, mm-hmm. ton of practice. Mm-hmm. And it was like a firm tone. It is not okay. Yeah. So don't be a, like, just because we're talking compassionate discipline here does not mean that you're like, Oh, it's okay. Like if that scared you, mm-hmm. then when you get home, then, you know, there, there needs to be some practice around it, or there needs to be like a serious discussion or agreements in place next time you go out. Like if he's, if he's one of those ones that is super kinesthetic, like so many young mm-hmm. boys are girls too, like Stella was super kinesthetic, which means they just move a lot, which I'm sure you guys are athletes. It's, all your kids are going to be kinesthetic. If he has a pattern of that, you've got to get proactive in your parenting. And before you go out on a play date, mm. before you set foot out of that car, it's like, hey, we can, we are not going anywhere until we make we make sure we're under we understand Mama's clear, firm limits on rocks, sticks, hands. And so the reason why is because we we want to have a fun play date. We don't want to end up with anybody in the ER, in the right? ER. Like right. And you can tell my story. My friend's little boy accidentally mm-hmm. pushed his friend, ended up breaking his wrist. Like, these are the reasons why we have firm rules. Like, it's not just you better listen to me or else. It's like, hey, let me explain to you why we keep our hands to ourselves. Why, if we're going to throw a rock, it only goes in the river or it only like, you know, um, that kind of stuff. Like you explain why. And then you have each of your children, especially the ones that are at risk, repeat it back to you. And then you say, thank you. You look in their eyes and say, thank you so much for for. And then another layer on top of that that I teach is as your kids get older, you can you can layer on, should you forget the agreement, then what do you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. And for example, if that's a big problem with this little guy and you really are scared that he's like breaking stuff and throwing stuff and all the time, then there's going to be a day when you need to pack up that play date and leave. Mm-hmm. And you need to hug your friend and say, friend, I'm so sorry, but I got I to gotta teach this little boy that I'm firm with my limits. I'm not going to. We, we can't stay. I told him, and this is like a big deal. And he's going to cry the whole way home. He's not going to get the ice cream like the other kids are, after, you know, the birthday party. And you're going to say, hey, next time you can make a different choice. Mm-hmm. We had an agreement. This is firm. We do not 
throw rocks. Like that's where the firmness comes in. I think so many people miss out on because they think this is just super like, like nice. Since we're got to be kind to our kids all the time, but you can be kind and firm. That's one of like the favorite um, guides that I have to this day for Fresh Start Family is the firm and kind guide. Parents love it. It's just a printout. It's a free printable. You can grab the, um, it's on the website, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm kind guide. And then um, it's just, like I said, it goes through these four steps, but it just teaches you that like, you don't need to be a pushover. Like you can be really firm, you know, and still get like, a firm is different than like a firm tone is different than like an angry mm. judgmental yeah yeah totally I I love that I need I need to work on that that's a really good reminder do you think in a situation like that you come home you do the reenactment you talk about it you talk about expectations when do you ever stop bringing up that scenario though because then at some point does that like if I keep bringing up when he threw the rock and he almost hurt his friend like does that cause a problem if I never stop honing in on that do you know what I mean well well I always encourage parents to look at it as if it was you and me yeah like if (laughs) if you like I don't know what said something one time and like you know you were like that Wendy she's like crazy and I like found out (laughs) and then like we made we made amends like we repaired our relationship and you were like Wendy I just like I don't know I said it because of this it's not like I'm so sorry I hurt you that's dumb I shouldn't have said that that's not what I think about you right and then every time I saw you I'm like Lindsay remember that time you said I was crazy yeah yeah you better not do that again Mm -hmm. okay let's go have dinner like you'd be like ew I don't want to hang out with her so yes I wouldn't encourage you to bring it up every time I would you could tell you could tell my story right or like (laughs) now um I every time my kids fight me at all about the helmet I always remind them Mm. like hey I just want you to know remember I'm very sensitive like I am the police um the safety police on our streets and all these little kids come around our corner we have like so many amazing families and toddlers on our block but they come around the corner and they they shortcut it and it's a dangerous Mm. area and so I'm like, I feel like I'm the only parent on the block that is constantly teaching these kids, you can't do that. You have to swing wide. Mm-hmm. If a car comes down, like a FedEx truck. But I always like remind my kids, one of the reasons why I'm so sensitive is because um, uh, one of my schoolmates when I was in the first grade got hit by a car on my street. I grew up in like rural country of Maryland, the east coast of the United States. And she, she was mentally retarded for the rest mm. of her life. Still lives on my, still lives on my street. Mm, so so hard. I think real life, you know not the intention is not to scare children it's to educate them Mm -hmm. of like this isn't just a dumb rule we have about helmets it's about like it really it's a really firm rule that we are going to stick to and if it means coming in from the block we'll do that even if you're in tears because I'm not willing to budge on it this is why it's so important to me oh yeah my five-year-old he I there are three instances where if he had not had his helmet on I don't know what would have happened to his head. You know, it's been three, like he's flipped over the bar handles and I'm like, he, he was totally fine and he landed on his helmet. Um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that makes me really nervous too. Um, okay, let's do this one. I'm just going to do one of them since we're, um, already at an hour. (laughs) (laughs) We could just talk forever. I know, I know. Okay, so this comes from my friend Sarah. What do you do when you have to put your child, say, I'm going to say in this circumstance, the child is 
for, but I guess, it, you know, just because your reaction is going to be different to like a two-year-old and a six-year-old or whatever. Um, back to bed 10 times and they keep coming out. What is the discipline for continuing to do that? Is there a reward if they stay in? It's really frustrating, especially after a long day when you're trying to wrap up stuff for work after they're all in bed. I try really hard not to lose my cool, but I don't know how to get through it unless I make threats and take things away. And then that sometimes ends in crying and even less sleep for the child. So it ends up being this vicious cycle. And um, I actually had this a similar circumstance last night. So yeah, yeah this is a hard one. Yeah, this is, this is so many layers to this, right. but I will say this, if the threat worked, then your child wouldn't be coming out of bed anymore. Right. <laughs> so it may get you through the night, but if, if like they worked long-term, then, you know, we wouldn't have this question right now. So you want to find things that have like long-term sustainability, right? So um, this is a high degree of difficulty for any parent when you are tired at the end of the day and you're trying to squeeze in work. Like I think a lot of like our modern day society culture is just not the way like families are supposed to like we're all working so much. And like at the end of the night, we should just be like in bed resting next to our kids. But like, but we're pushing ourselves. We're like we've got pressure. We've got work. We've got now with the corona, we like didn't get the work done during the day. So right. We're trying to do it at night. So the, it's just this pressure cooker that adds to everything. When I think, you know, it just wasn't. It just is crazy. So, but back to that is, um, is I I really recommend w- with sleep stuff like that. You have to get really good at detaching and like returning without any emotion. So mm. I always say with that kind of stuff, keep it boring, mm. and you do not engage, right? And you just take them back over and over and over again, right? So another another way to look at it is is like to take small steps because there's different reasons why kids get out of bed. One of them can be a feeling of like inadequacy, like I can't do this. I can't stay alone, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't know what was behind hers. Or it could be like, it could just be attention, which is another category in this behavior, which there's a really good article by a woman named Sarah May something. And if you just Google, like, what if your two-year-old just needs you? And it's like this beautiful article about how, you know, when your kids are two, three, four, and they, they just want you at night, like, sometimes it's, it's, they just want you. It's not like they're trying to be these bad little kids. They just want their mama, like, especially if their mama has been working all day. And, and it's just this beautiful read that is like very, um, just brought tears to my eyes. I recommend it all the time to people. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's just part of, I think life sometimes as being a parent. So another thing you can do is empowering them before bed. So, so if it's a power struggle thing where you're like, go back and they're like, no, I won't. And I'm like, and you're like, yes, you will. And they're like, you can't make me. Then that becomes a power struggle dissolving thing. And I think you said he was four. So in this case, you would like, pull up a list that we have of 10 power struggle, power struggle dissolving strategies. And you would try some of those out. So you would make, you know, give choices, you would put them in charge of something. The light is a great example. Do you want to keep the light on or off? Like, do you want Mm. to keep the door open and stay in your bed? Or do you want me to close it? Actually, what I what I recommend is gates more than anything. Mm. Four is getting a little bit older to do the gates. um, But you could say, do you want to leave your gate open? and um, stay in your bed or do you want mama to close it and you know you get out and mama will have to close the gate I love gates I think gates are phenomenal I'm not a huge fan of closing doors Mm -hmm. of like locking kids Mm -hmm. 
Um, so empowerment can get really, really huge. Um, so all those are just little nuggets. But in the end, we've been through that stage with Taryn, our little guy, and it was a season that passed. Yeah. And we just had to return, 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 boring, don't engage, return, barely any words. I love you. You can do this. Good night. Like, don't engage. Yeah. Like, well, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just stay in your bed? Like, that uh-huh. all is going to fill their need for attention. It's going to fill mm-hmm. their need for power. And it's not in the way that you want to fill those buckets. Yeah, it's it's a hard one. And like you said at the beginning of the question, like, it's complex. Like, there are so many different reasons. Right. Um, I mean, man, our six-year-old, he literally slept. He would come to our room and just, we ended up just giving in and he slept on our floor halfway through the night for like an entire year and a half. And yeah, and okay, we just guys. let it be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that people get very hung up on like, oh, it has to be this way to get kids sleeping through the night. You have to do this to get them to stay in their bed. You have to do this. And it's like, man, all kids are just different. My oldest, he is not a good sleeper. He never has been. My second, he's an amazing sleeper. Um, Last night, we have the Alexa for our rain sounds for, like, the sleep app. And we have one in our room, and we have one in their room, the older two share room. And Alexa kept, like, kicking off. And I had to restart it, like, four times. And my husband didn't wake up, you know. And then the same thing was happening in their room, apparently. And um, my oldest woke up every time. And the second didn't wake up at all. And so that's just an example, like, Every kid is so different, but you know, the interesting thing is I have no idea how this worked and we didn't even plan it this way, but my husband bought two extra of those like little alarm, like, um, clock Alexas. And I just said to my oldest, I said, you know what, if you stay in your bed all night, we can leave this in your room and this can be your little radio. It worked. I mean, this was like three weeks ago. And he's been sleeping on our floor since our youngest was born almost two years ago. I have no idea, but it worked. And I think it is like he's got his like he can get up in the morning and play his music. And like that's his Alexa. And he knows now Alexa's going to go away if you don't stay in your bed anymore, because that's like that's like your big kid thing. You have Alexa in your room now. Yep. And I would just encourage you to, to tie those together, right? Like when you sleep in your room and you spend time in your room and we want you to have independence and we want you to be developing this ability to like turn on your own music, you're old enough, right? Like to all those conver- kind of conversations over, if you're a good boy, mm-hmm. you get rewarded with Alexa. Mm-hmm. So I can already tell by the way you're talking about it, it's good. It's like, you're like, cool, this happens when you, when we have a kid that sleeps in his own room and is getting older and needs his own radio and has like, needs independence and it's like just just growing up like that's part of the thing that happens when you grow up we call that sequencing right like when you get old enough to stay in your bed all night then like you get to have like these cool things right like that's part of life um as opposed to like be a good boy or else I'm going to take it away because especially the power kids out there they start to rise up against that and if they ever mess up like that's a whole whole nother thing but I love it. Hallelujah. He's back in his room. I, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> that was not planned, but it worked. Okay. Last, last little piece, Wendy, and, and we'll wrap up. One of uh, the other hosts in the podcast brought up the, um, the disrespect and um, mm-hmm. compassionately disciplining disrespect. And I'm talking just like basic back talking and things like that. Um, and 
And we just don't want to go through our days where we're constantly nagging. Lower your voice. Throw that away. Don't do this. Don't do that. Because at the end of the day, we're worn out as parents from nagging, nagging, nagging. And they're worn out as kids from hearing us nag. So I guess the question is like, where's yeah. the, where's the common ground? Where, where do we meet in the middle there? I guess. Well, is disrespectful talk what happened with soap in the mouth? Okay. The soap in the mouth thing was me and that was saying the F word. Okay. So it's disrespectful talk. It's, so you're talking about, so a lot of parents will call it sassy talk and you're talking about cuss words and yeah. cuss words has always, or cuss words or words that you don't like has always been a hot button for you. Cause the last time we talked to you was hate. Mm, that's right. Do you that's remember right. that? It was hate. Yeah. It's, it's similar because it's stuff that's coming out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. So it, it all comes back to self-control, mm-hmm. healthy expression of emotions or other stuff with cuss words. There's a lot more involved. It oftentimes is like attention or it's like being the class clown or um, ex- ex- like experiential exploration, which mm-hmm. is a normal thing for kids, like unfortunately. So, um, but, but if we're just talking like sassy backtalk, um, I always like to say, you know, as if you are speaking to your kids the way you want them to speak to you, it often will happen less. So you want to start looking at the way you're talking to them. Are you giving an attitude a lot? Are you using a tone that is um, shaming and judgmental and angry and irritated all the time? Are you um, asking for what you want or are you telling them all the time what you don't want, right? Which is not the way mm. we operate out in the world. We don't go to Starbucks and say, don't give me a whole milk latte. Mm-hmm. You say, Can I please have the whole milk latte, right? Because it's exhausting to go around all day and say, don't give me the whole milk latte. Don't give me the wrong change. Um, you know, don't, don't give me the wrong gas level. Like that, that would exhaust you. That's why nagging and that kind of like thinking that you have to control everything mentality is, is exhausting. But when you ask for what you want, when you set the tone, when you use, like when you use a tone that is actually like even keeled and respectful, then the days are a lot less exhausting. So with, with sassiness, I've, I just like a simple redo, like everyone stops, like, I'm not okay with that. So tell me how you're feeling and try again mm. to tell me what you want. So I, I always love when we do these type of things, I would prefer an example because then we could actually give you more like specifics on how you would redo it with them. Cause there's so many reasons why disrespectful talk comes up and it depends if it's like, you're the worst mom. I hate you. That's revenge misbehavior. That mm. has a whole different set of redirections versus just like a mild attitude, which is often modeling from what they've witnessed from their parents. I don't know about you guys, but my my oldest, Stella, both, both of my kids really, are direct mirrors for me. So if they start talking to me disrespectfully, I'm like, shoot, that mm. I'm talking to them disrespectfully. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just come out of thin air usually. So again, when you really clean it up, you'll start to notice the difference. But the redos are fantastic. One more thing, I think this is a good ender bender, and then I probably have to run. But um, so we, we we have a lesson within the Bonfire membership community. It's called self awareness and self acceptance, and those both have to rise in order to have like success, joy, and peace in our parenting walk. So self um, awareness looks like, yep, that's my go to word. If your go to word was like F or that's mine it, or something else, then you're like, it's not, it wasn't you. Maybe it was a kid at school or maybe a TV a yeah. movie he heard or. But when you're like, oh, yeah, that was me, that's a beautiful example of self-awareness. 
most parents walk around on this planet their whole existence with their kids without a lot of self-awareness. They just blame their kids for everything. They think their kids are, and they're like, what? I'm, I'm doing great. Like, and, and they don't ever get that self-awareness, which, which actually prevents them from helping their children change their behavior. But anyways, so self-awareness goes up, which is cool, especially when parents start to learn positive parenting curriculum. But self-acceptance also has to go up because if you're beating yourself up saying, what is wrong with me? Mm. Like, I'm the one who taught him this. And then I put soap in his mouth. Like, I'm a horrible mother. Like, ah, oh, I'm the worst. Like, it actually, like Brene Brown teaches us about shame. It doesn't actually move us towards better behavior. So you have to raise your self-awareness too and go, yeah, and I'm a great mom. Mm. Like, yeah, you put soap in his mouth and you didn't need to. It was unnecessary. You chose to hurt him when you made a mistake after you had taught him how to make the mistake. And you're an awesome mom. Mm -hmm. You're great. You're like one of the most incredible moms I've ever met. Like I, I, from the moment I met you, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so awesome. Like I adore her. I can just tell you're an amazing mom and you're, you're doing such a great job raising these four boys. And like when you become aware of something like that, now you have the choice to change when you're not beating yourself up. Mm -hmm. You're just like, whoops. Made yeah. a mistake, you know, looking back now, which is what we call protection behaviors and the life coaching side of my business. Like I did something that I wish I wouldn't have, or I said something that I wish I wouldn't have, or I didn't say something when I wish I would have. Mm-hmm. That all just means you're in protection and yeah. your, your protection at that moment was to lay the smack down of soap. Yeah. And the next time you can be in a different pattern of behavior, you can be in learning next time. It's just a choice. Yeah. And you know, I haven't done it since. And I think that being transparent in front of other parents can sometimes put us in this like place of where we could be judged for our actions. But I think it also humanizes the person you might be looking at online. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It really does. And I mean, it is, it is, it brings people together. Yeah. Like it really does. When you get to humble yourself, I remember sitting on the block once with my neighbor and just coming out and being like in tears, just being like, I had the worst day, like back again, back in the early days of my teaching. Like, I'm just so like at my wit's end with Stella and why am I even teaching this? Blah, blah, blah. And I just cried. She was like, thank you so much. Like, I just thought you were like this tough, <laughs> perfect parent. Uh-huh. And now like, thank you so much for just being real with me I and telling it. me that you up too, or that you like hate your kids some days too. I know I can't say the word hate. Don't I say hate in front of me. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do. I strongly dislike that. Yeah, word. yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, you know, just admitting to people like, I don't like parenting. I don't want to be a mom today. I sometimes worry that my kid is the devil. I did. I did Google um, um, exorcism when Stella was three. I was like, <laughs> maybe she's scary. <laughs> well, you know what, though? You saying hate just then was a perfect example of of words sometimes spill out of our mouths that we don't want to use and we also don't want our kids to use. So if it's spilling out of our mouths, then of course that is going to happen to them too sometimes because they're human. Yes. And when you get to be a team together, that's like the best news when you realize you and your child are breaking a habit and learning a new way, learning a new life skill. It's a whole lot more fun because you're like, oh my gosh, we're in this together. In this together. We're both giving up the F word. Yeah, oh, gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Wendy, um, what do you have going, what's coming up with you? Um, I know you guys yeah. have a new course or something that you're launching. Oh my gosh. Yes. This is one of my favorite times of year. We are doing a five day 
positive parenting challenge that will radically change your life. So it starts on June 8th and it. it ends June 12th. So it's five days of small, teeny little lessons that are totally doable. Even if you're the busiest parent on earth, which we are all right now with our kids all home and working jobs and all that stuff. Um, you can do these five days of lessons like easily. So that's, called the five-day challenge um and it starts on june 8th you can head over to the website freshstartfamilyonline.com to get registered and um and we'll send you everything you need you 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 can get a prep kit and um the lessons get delivered to your email inbox every single morning so that's all you need to do is be able to have email open up your email push play on a video read through a short uh email and by the the end of day five you will fully understand way better what's underneath your children's misbehavior so you can redirect their misbehavior more appropriately and more effectively, I should say. So good. I'm so excited about that. And you guys can also find Wendy on Instagram. She's Fresh Start Wendy over there. And we'll put the links yep, to- and our podcast. Yes. Podcast What's the podcast Fresh, called? The Fresh Start Family Show. Yes. And it's good. And, um, you know, you mentioned Susie Walton, your, your teacher, and that's one of my favorite episodes on your podcast and probably, you know, she's amazing, but also like I'm drawn to the four boy mom, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I have, I have two members right now with four boys. Oh, and, and Emily, one of our co-hosts here, she is um, a member of your bonfire community too. She joined, she's loving it. Oh, awesome. Yay, Emily. Yay. Um, All right, Wendy. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And we'll put links to everything that we talked about and your new challenge coming up in the show notes at theilluminatepodcast.com. Thank you, Lindsay. Bye. Thanks. I'll let you run. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Wendy, for encouraging me, encouraging our listeners and sharing your knowledge with us on compassionate discipline and all things parenting. I love your energy. I love talking to you and always walk away with some new ideas for how to tackle this everyday life with my kids. Again, don't forget to check out Wendy's five-day positive parenting challenge. Go to Fresh Start Family online to get signed up. You just have to submit your email and you'll get the five-day positive parenting challenge sent to your inbox. Again, it starts June 8th through June 12th. Wendy also has an amazing bonfire community, a membership community where parents are supporting parents online. One of our hosts, Emily Reddington, is part of that community and I know she gets so much benefit out of that. So again, check out Wendy. She's freshstartfamilyonline.com. And you can also find Wendy on Instagram. She is Fresh Start Wendy over there. And check out her podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. You can find us on Instagram. We are the Illuminate Podcast over there. We are on Twitter, Illuminate underscore pod. And you can find us on Facebook, The Illuminate Podcast. If you have any suggestions for guests that you'd like to hear on this podcast, send them over to lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends, thank you so much for being here and have a really great rest of your day.